Gospels, turn to Exodus chapter 15. Man, whose idea was it to have onions? And those weren't just any old onions, those were some grizzly onions. Exodus 15. If you will, read with me in verse 22 down through verse 27. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where, there, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, <clears throat> once again, we're just so grateful for the mercy and grace you've shown us through Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, what a blessing it is to be called a child of God and to know our sins have been forgiven and that our souls are secure in heaven when we leave this earth. And Lord, that's our prayer and our heart's desire for those around us, for our loved ones, our friends and neighbors, Lord, that we would see them saved before it's too late. Lord, our our world has just continued to get more and more wicked each and every day, and it seems like it can't get any worse than it does. And Father, help us not become calloused and jaded, but help us just to understand that the people are going to need the preaching of the Word of God more and more in these end days. Lord, we just pray as we uh, preach this afternoon, as we talk about these bitter waters of Mara and the things in our lives that change us, we just pray that you'd use it in a positive way for us, Lord, that we could see our own needs and our own hearts before you today, Lord, and that the preaching of the Word of God might move us from where we are to where we need to be. We love you, Father. We praise you and thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting enough... You know, when we have learning experiences in our life, a lot of those experiences aren't joyful. A lot of those learning experiences are bitter. And it's those experiences that seem to be the best teacher for us. You think back of different things in your life, and you tend to remember those things that you deem to be disastrous or bitter, things that weren't so great when you were going through them, but then you realize... Those were life lessons that had to be learned that God brought into your life. You know, you tell a kid, don't touch the fireplace, the fireplace is hot. Don't touch the fireplace, the fireplace is hot. (laughs) Ah! Well, I told you, right? But you don't normally get it until there's pain involved. Isn't that how it works? Right? And with men, it's usually their wallet. They got to learn with their wallet. You teach them with their wallet, they learn. You know, I, I almost said I don't know how you teach a woman that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually say that, so I'm, I'm good. But men, you teach them through the wallet. 
painful things, bitter things, we, <clears throat> we learn. And it's unfortunate that's just how we are, that we get burned before we learn. And, you know, I'm almost uh, 60 years old, and I'm still cutting myself with knives. And my mom told me, don't play with knives, you'll cut yourself. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And then I <laughs> hacked my hand anyway, right? So the life lessons never quit just because you hit a certain age. There's still some things that God has for us, things that we can still learn. And in this passage before us, Israel is fresh from a great spiritual victory coming out of the land of Egypt. God has just done some really great things in their life. They've been delivered from slavery. They've been given a new lease on life. They've witnessed God destroying the enemies in the, in, in the great sea battle there where they went through the parted sea and God closed it up and drowned one of the greatest uh, armies on the planet at the time. And you know what? To this day, they still haven't had a great army. We go over there, we still protect Egypt. Because when God destroys, God destroys. I don't worry about the Roman Empire coming around because God destroyed that too. Listen, when God deals with things, God deals with things. And sometimes God has to do it in a, matter, in a manner that you'll never forget. Now think about this. Three days, three days it says here in our verse. When you, you read back here in, in verse 22, And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days. That's all the length of time from these great victories to complaining against God in the wilderness. Three days. He parted the Red Sea. And three days later, they're worried he can't give them any water. He just, right? How do, you, how do you put that into words? How do you describe that? I look back and go, how could you miss this, people? Three days ago, he brought you out of slavery. Three days ago, you spoiled all of Egypt when you went out. You didn't go out empty-handed. You had the spoils with you. And then when that's done, three days go by. Well, look what God has brought us to. The bitter waters. Mara, isn't this awesome? And what they do, they do what they do best. They start whining. Just like church members. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brother Demo's like, I'm not shaking my head. I'm just going to sit here. Listen, we tend to come off some really great victories after winning great battles and we begin to whine about the things that God's not doing. Well, they learned some things here. They're going to learn some things. And sometimes when you're going through a trial, maybe God has some really good things for you if you'll just be quiet and listen to what God is trying to teach you and God is trying to tell you and how He's trying to guide you. Too often we focus on this. We're not seeing what God's trying to do for us. Did God have a plan for the children of Israel? I think so. He brought them out of Egypt. He did all that for them. This, this was about God showing Himself true to Egypt like He said He would. He said, I'm going to deliver you. So three days later, you're just going to dehydrate us and kill us in the desert? Well, their, their thinking went from this great battle and victory to now we're just going to die in the desert because we got no water. You ever been in the desert? It's hot in the desert. It's dry in the desert. Oh, it's a dry heat, so it's not that bad, but it's still desert. And you get thirsty. And I was in the desert. We had bottles of we had. Listen, if you've ever been in the desert in the military, 
There's cases of water stacked eight pallets high for miles. Miles. You drive by all this water. You're like, look at all that water. And you get it, and you're like, oh, 120 degree water. How refreshing. <laughs> and so you tend to be dehydrated even though you have water. Because it's not what you want. You want the ice. <laughs> right? It's not enough to have the water. We want the ice. And a nice cold glass is frosted coming out of the freezer would be nice too. And then if you could put some of that Kool-Aid stuff in the water, that'd be even nicer because it's miserable out here in the desert and I would like something cold, fresh, crisp, but it don't work like that always. But God gives you water. And you know what? You ought to be happy you have the water. But we don't, aren't, listen, we're not satisfied. We're a people that just can't be satisfied sometimes. And so here we find ourselves in the bitter waters. And sometimes there are some lessons God wants us to learn when we end up at the bitter waters. The children of Israel here, the first thing they learn were some real lessons about life. And that is that life is a mixture of events that God brings to your life. There's good, there's bad, there's up, there's down, but it is just life. The sooner you understand that, the smoother it is. You know, there's, have you ever met the emotional people that when something bad comes, it's evil. When something good comes, it's God. Something bad comes, it's evil. Something good comes, it's God. Was that what you think Job said? God said, hey, that came, that came in God's hand, didn't it? Didn't God know what was going on with Job when he said, hey, don't touch his life, but have at it. His life became miserable real quick, didn't it? But God was still in control of that. Now listen, when you understand who's in control, it doesn't matter what cycle of life you're going through as long as you know who's in control. You don't have to enjoy it, and a lot of times you probably won't enjoy it. But you better understand who's in control. God is still on the throne. And here they are. They're experiencing the blessings of God, and now they come against the bitterness. And as soon as the bitter time was passed, if you look, in ver look down here in verse 27, as soon as the bitter time was passed, it said, And they came to Elam where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees. And they can't... So they come out of Egypt, out of a hard time. They come to the bitter waters. We see, because we have the word of God, that after that, they went to a place of palm trees and water. Caleb said, oh, we were just down in Florida. <laughs> oh, well, I got a tan. <laughs> oh, good for you. That's different than being in the desert. But listen, palm trees, whenever we're in Arizona, we see palm trees, we know there's water. Right? So <clears throat> God always has a balance for us in our life. We just have to understand that, you know, God doesn't save us just to put us under his thumb and squish us like a bug. That's not God's plan. But if God has you under his thumb, maybe you should ask, what is God trying to do? What is it that God wants me to learn? Is there something God has for me? Probably does. And he's probably got to put you there so you get it. Because you will not listen any other way. The children of Israel were a bullheaded people just like we're bullheaded people. I, I find myself looking all the time as I read. I like to read the Old Testament a lot, and I find out, what a bunch of knuckleheads. At the same time, in my own life, I'm being a knucklehead. We're no different. It's the same with us. I, I suppose there are a lot of people that 
You know, in our day that assume once you sign up to follow the Lord, like the TV preacher says, it's just life flowing full of blessings. There's never a downtime. I mean, when I stay up late at night, Peter Popoff says, hey, send me five bucks and I'll send a miracle water and a, it looks good from there, right? All he has to offer is good, 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 but that's not the Bible. That's not the reality of life. That's not the God we serve. That's faulty theology and wishful thinking that you get saved and life is just a bed of roses from there on out. That's faulty thinking. God has to grow us and that takes time and that takes good and that takes bad. And according to God's word, it's just going to be a mixture of things. Look over to Job chapter 14. Look over to the book of Job and look at chapter 14. And look what it says there in verse 1. Job says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Well, that doesn't sound like a good time, does it? No, it sounds like trouble. Look back in Job 5. <clears throat> Job 5. And verse 7. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. <clears throat> if you turn back over where we were this morning in Ecclesiastes... And you look in chapter 2, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and verse 17, <clears throat> it says, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. You know, we could go from verse to verse to verse to verse and see where this world really doesn't have a lot to offer. It just doesn't. It, it's a miserable place this earth is. And it, it may seem like, man, you're kind of depressing preacher, but, you know, you have to be aware that God brings and allows these times in our life because it will magnify the other times. You know, now think about this. Just hold that thought. When our first, when, when Anita first got pregnant with Jen, man, we were so happy. Can you guys remember when you were pregnant with your first one and how happy and thrilled you were that you're going to be having a kid? You remember that? Or the second one or the tenth one or whatever you know, you're up to. It just, it's just so thrilling until the first time you got to deal with that kid down the road. Right? Sometimes that's not so happy anymore, is it? But it's the same kid. Nothing changed. Right? God gave you Rebecca. It's the same kid. God gave me Josh. Same kid. I was happy then, but I'm not so happy now. But, but that is magnified in my mind when God gave me him. That, uh, that was such a great time in my life. God used that because I was really young then. I didn't know anything. I was lost then. I look back to that to where I'm at now. God has brought me through a lot of tough times to bring me where I am now. And I stand a lot more solid now because of a lot of the bitter lessons I've had to learn in life through family, church, friends, work, the whole deal. God uses those experiences to grow us up and strengthen us so we don't fall away. God's purpose is that you'll be strong enough not to fall away from the faith as we continue walking for the Lord. You've got to be strengthened or you will be a casualty. Listen, the strongest warriors are the ones that survive the battles. And they learn from that. And they go, man, next time I'm, I'm taking a sharper sword. They're going to spend more time in preparation. When you're younger, you don't do that. You just fly into the wind. Well, God wants to strengthen us. You know, 
You got to be aware, though, that life can go either way, but you got to be prepared for when life goes south. It does. One minute you're in retirement, the next minute the doc says, uh, Well, sorry, Jim, your wife's cancer is uncurable at this point, and you're not going to spend retirement with her. And the rug's pulled out from underneath you. And those vows you took all those years ago, 40, 50 years ago, well, they come to fruition right here in sickness and in health. And you start understanding exactly what marriage is about then. Right? In the beginning, it's all fluff and this and that. And in the end, you know, Jim, Jim told me, he goes, you know, <clears throat> he goes, in a way, I'm thankful she's going before me so I can take care, take care of her right to the end. I don't want anybody else taking care of her. Because that's a part of the vow he made when he married her. It's a bitter time for him, though. And you know, there's lots of bitter times that come and you, you learn from those things and you see what God does and God tries to show you and lead you and guide you. Well, the children of Israel, time after time after time, God had to get a hold of them and shake them by the scruff of the neck. You know, they learn here that they're not the master of the universe. Too often we think we're the master of the universe, don't we? God got me out of Egypt, I'll take it from here. Right, look, that's it, isn't it? Right, listen, God got me the job, now I'll do the rest. God did this, I'll do the rest. And God said, hey, wait a minute, pal. I'm still in charge. You might be out of that mess, but I'm still in charge of this thing. And here the, here the children of Israel go, they forgot about the plagues and the deliverance. They're forgetting about God real quick and the power of God even quicker. He's still God. They forgot that up until that time, the Lord had been in absolute control, and He is still in absolute control. Don't find yourself in a place where you think you're in control, and God is not. It's not a good place to find yourself. <clears throat> God is in charge of life. All things work together, right? Because God is in control of it. I don't know how all that works sometimes. I just know that God does. That's how I don't go nuts. I know, hey, I don't understand it. God's got this. God knows about this. One minute we're cruising along, enjoying the blessings of life, and we start taking things for granted, and then things come along, we're wringing our hands, and we don't know what to do. God does. You never find God in the Bible wringing His hands because He doesn't know what to do. He knows what's going on here, and He knows what's happening here. <clears throat> You know, a child, a lot of times, is a product of their environment, aren't they? Well, the children of God are just products of the, the environment that God has placed us in. You know, I, I travel around, and some of you have traveled around. You've been to other churches, and you, you go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't. They're different than us. Go to Oregon, they're different than us. Go to Washington, they're different than us. Go to Alabama, buddy, they're way different than us. You can't even understand them down there. You go to Sioux Falls, they're different than us. Right? God places us where we need to be to reach the people that we can reach. And sometimes God has to move us out of that comfort we like to be where we need to be. He brought them out of Egypt for a purpose. And they got this pit stop here at the place where they're supposed to get rewatered and refreshed, and the waters are bitter. What are we going to do? Well, they learned some things here. You know, here's what they learned, number one. Bad experiences are like going to the doctor. It's like when the doctor puts you in an x-ray and they x-ray you to see what's wrong. God uses these kind of experiences to x-ray your heart. 
Right? When things go bad, he just gets an x-ray and goes, okay, they haven't learned it yet. They haven't. Attitude's wrong. Attitude's bad. It's all wrong. You haven't learned it yet, so let's do this again. Let's do this again. Have you ever seen people that just chase, them, just chase their tail all their life and they can't get it? You know, I, I've dealt with some people that, you know, they can't figure their finances out. Kind of like our government. <laughs> our government thinks they can spend their way out of debt. Is that how your family works? You can't do it. Listen, you can't do it. It'll catch up and it'll bite you every time. And sometimes God just has to keep teaching you and teaching you and teaching you through some bitter experiences with finances before one day you say, I get it. I get it. I need to tithe. I need to not owe people a bunch of stuff. I, you, know, the, you, know, you know what you're supposed to do. But sometimes God has to keep bringing it back to us and, and because he sees our heart and understands this. There's some characteristics about the Israelites that they probably didn't want to know about themselves that God's going to show them here when they get to the waters. And I'm afraid we're guilty as they are sometimes. We learn a lot about ourselves when the bottom falls out. We do. Right? If you're honest with yourself, you do. You know, I shared a little bit earlier when COVID hit. I was kind of freaked out at the beginning. You know, Nina and I were like, hey, stay out there. Stay out in the yard. Don't come near the door. I don't know what's going around in the world. I don't want it. But then, you know what? God kicked back in. And I went, wait a minute. I'm not living in fear like everybody else is. I'm not doing this. We're not going to shut our doors and we're going to keep preaching the word of God and we're going to do what God tells us to do. And if God kills us, allows us to be killed by COVID, then praise God. But we are not going to stop doing what God has commanded us to do. And I learned something about myself in that little bit. I learned something about myself and Obama when we're out buying ammunition and guns. And everybody's doing it, even the women. Oh, yeah, women of our church lined up at Sports' Warehouse. Well, hey, what are you doing here, sister? I'm buying an AR-15. <laughs> Fear set in, didn't it? We might not ever get them again. But, you know, I was telling Brother Gene, God didn't give us Second Amendment. God didn't give us this Constitution, did he? God just allowed us to be born in the U.S. where we're privileged and babied and spoiled. That's all God did. Listen, anywhere else in the world, they're not having Second Amendment conversations. Or freedom of speech conversations. That's us. We do that. God just says, wherever I put you, you need to be happy where you are and be content where you are. It doesn't matter where we are, though. God uses these experiences to grow us. <clears throat> Here's what they found out when they got to Marah. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out of the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? You know what they learned? It was all about them. They were selfish. It was about them. Here they come. Three days, man. God just did this, and now they're murmuring against God and, and God's man. The whole deal, they're upset. Now think about the flip side of that. Think about if the children of Israel got there and they went, Hallelujah, the water's bitter, we can't drink it. Let's see what God can do. Nobody did that. I think we're kind of guilty of that too, aren't we? Oh no, we, we start pacing and... Oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay that bill? How are we going to overcome this obstacle? Instead of going, man, God's put us in a place to see God work. 
<laughs> because that's faith. That's being faithful. I, which, which, which guy was the one that had the, the orphanage and he was always praying that the orphans would get fed? George Mueller? <clears throat> he, he was the guy that just prayed and God delivered. And he prayed and God delivered. You know, we should be a little bit more like that. Three days, they forget everything that God did. They, they didn't think God could make the waters drinkable after, after what He did out there in the desert, parting the Red Sea, and all that He did. They didn't think God could make the water fit to drink. Oh, ye of little faith. That's not the God we serve. And if you're focused on God, you know that. I remember, I remember very clearly years ago, years ago, I just met the McBrooms. And Jim McBroom was out of work. And he was, they were in a church here, and those were better times for certain. And, you know, things were good. And we were in his truck, and we were driving down Hearst Road, headed out where that diner is now. We're driving down that road. And I said, what are you going to do, brother, you know, about work? And he says, well, I'm, I've, I put it before the Lord. I've been praying. And uh, if I don't get a job and we starve to death, praise God. And I went, what a fruitcake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hadn't been in this very long. I was like, i got to find someone else to hang out with. You know, I, <laughs> I was thinking there'd be more to this than just starving to death, you know. But looking back, that's really the attitude it ought to be. It shouldn't, it, listen, whatever happens, we should praise God for it. Even when we come to the bitter waters of Marah, we should know that God has a plan. God brought the children of Israel to where they needed to be, didn't he? Isn't God the one that led them to the waters of Marah? He did. God's man brought them there, and they're in a tight spot, but God knew exactly what was going on there. Nothing caught God by surprise, but they were guilty by walking by sight. We never do that, do we? They just, the waters, and oh, all the waters. You know how it is when you're, you're hungry or something? You're like, oh, finally McDonald's, whatever. <clears throat> and then you don't get to because you don't have any money. But it's so close, and you just, but <laughs> God's like, you don't need McDonald's, you're too fat. That's why you don't have money. But this water must have been like, oh, three days, whoa, find me some water. And the first guy's like, that's bad stuff. And man, does it set in. Their expectations there, they failed them, and they're disappointed with God. They're disappointed with the God that just saved them out of slavery and bondage and the brick kilns, and all that they had done in Egypt. And in three days, their attitude turns. It's, listen, it, it seems easy enough, but it happens. People do that. We expect something, some job, something that's going to make us happy all the time, and, you know, and we don't get it, and we're disappointed with the Lord because it didn't come to fruition. When instead we should say, hey, praise God, there must be a reason God didn't bring that into my life. Maybe God didn't want me to have that. And then sometimes God brings things in that you just won't stop. You will not quit. You will not quit. And God says, okay, you want this, I'll bring it. You can have it. And you'll find out it can be a real curse in your life too. I've done that with stuff. Bought stuff I just knew that God, you know, I knew, I prayed about it. So God must want me to have it. And, you know, I financed it and it was a curse. And then uh, I was so happy when I got rid of it. And I remember that particular thing, and when I did it, it was a bitter, a love-hate deal. You know, one of those sweet, bitter things. That's what's happening here at Mara. 
Our duty as believers is to lean and learn to lean and depend on the Lord each and every day completely, regardless of the situation. You know how many people die out there in survival because they give up? And, and help was just around the corner. They freeze to death and they're, they're 100 yards from a cabin because they didn't go any further. They had no faith in God. So they freeze to death right where they are. Christians are a lot like that sometimes. They don't trust God enough to give them the job they need, so they take the job they want, and then guess what? They're out of church. This and this and this, and on and on it goes because they had no faith in God, and then they lose that job, and the job they should have had, it's not available anymore. And they get bitter because of those things. Why have you done this, God? They were never satisfied. Listen, when you read the Old Testament, the children of God were hardly ever satisfied, were they? That's the truth of the matter. Up, down, up, down. Read the Judges. <laughs> it was a horrible time, but we're just like that. It's easy to read that and go, oh, they're terrible people, but we're not much different. We're up and down and we're hot and cold for the Lord. <clears throat> Three days, here they stand before a bitter pool of water complaining because they didn't get it their way when they wanted it like Burger King. We live in a Burger King Christianity, don't we? We want things our way. We want them now. You know, I've got things on my prayer list I started praying for when I got saved back in 1994. They still have not come to fruition. But that's not my problem, is it? My problem is just to keep praying and putting those people and things before God and allowing God to do what God does. And sometimes it's not right now when I want that thing. It just doesn't work that way. God saved me in His time. God's used me. God's prepared me. God's trained me. It's in God's time. A lot of things we just have to wait for, for God to do. But God knows what's going to happen out there. We don't always know that. <clears throat> Listen, <laughs> when we're up on the mountain, it's so easy to glorify God. When we're down in the valley, woe is me. And if we're on the mountain and praise Him for the blessing then we ought to praise Him for His faithfulness when we're down in the valley too because we're still breathing and we're still living and we're still doing what God has us to do. Whatever we face though, we praise God's name in every bit of it. You know what Job said in Job 1.21? He said, And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, you don't hear TV preachers preach about that, do you? No, it's just the blessings, the blessings. <clears throat> I, was, I heard about a lady that this, this man said there was a lady in her church, an older lady, and she had cancer. And uh, they said, that must have been a really tough deal. She goes, you know, praise God, for eight months I didn't have to shave my legs. All her hair fell out. You know, you go, what's that have to do with anything? Well, sometimes there's a blessing and you miss it because you're not looking. God's doing something you don't even know about. He's, he's preparing. Now look what they learned here. <clears throat> they learned real quick that God is fully aware of our needs. God knew what they'd face here at Mara, that it would be bitter water. He planned the journey. He said, go from here and come to here. <clears throat> God knew their need before they knew what was coming. He knew what was out there in the bitter waters of Mara. It didn't shock God. It didn't surprise God. God is already working on tomorrow. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Matthew, take no thought for tomorrow? Doesn't it? It does. Are you already thinking about tomorrow and what you're going to do? 
Well, we do that. That's part of our nature, isn't it? And God says, take no thought for the morrow. Let, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. You worry about today. Let me worry about tomorrow because I'm eternal. I'm already in tomorrow. I know what tomorrow brings. You don't. Don't worry about it today. You go, Ugh. <laughs> Listen to that on some psychedelics, huh? Well, God is. God is that big. God knows of a sickness that you haven't even developed yet. He knows if you're going to survive it or not survive it, doesn't he? God knows your grief. While the one you're going to grieve is still alive, he knows how you're going to grieve when they die. He knows what we don't know. Praise God he does. <clears throat> Aren't you glad we serve a God that knows the need before we ever know we need the need? I think that's awesome, really. So, Moses here is commanded to cast a tree in the waters. And when he did, it says that they were made sweet. Now, God, in his wisdom, had already prepared the tree for Moses to take of to throw in the water. When did that happen? Did that just happen? Listen, God, in his wisdom, at some point, planted a seed that grew a tree that gave a branch that was going to go in the water at Mara, where it was bitter, that he already knew about. Long before he brought him out of Egypt. So they're worried about this three-day journey in these waters. God's going, chill, chill. I already grew the tree. We're going to take care of this. Quit freaking out about everything. Because that's what we tend to do. We live in one of the most stressed societies man has ever known. There are more stress medications out there than you shake a stick at. You know why? Because you're worried about everything that God has in control. And when you can learn to let go of that, your life will be very well. Don't worry about this and the job. Don't worry about witnessing to that person. Just do the witnessing. Let God deal with that. Let God take care of that. You know how many times I've never witnessed to somebody because I was just afraid to? There's plenty of times. That ever happened to you? It's just me. No amens. It's just me. Where I'm going, I know God wants me to talk to that guy. Okay, I'm going to talk to that guy. And then I go, oh man, I just can't talk to that guy. I'm just afraid to. <clears throat> Fast forward a lot of years. And now you're dealing with your friends dying. And you can't afford not to. You've got to do it. God knows. He knows, he knows my heart. He knows your heart. Don't make God bring you to a place for you to learn some bitter lesson to do what you know you should be doing anyway. What they should have done was stop there and said, hey Moses, <clears throat> let's just pray because we serve a great God and we know God can heal these waters. Let's think about how this could have turned out. Because I know in my life, I'm always the guy, you know, shooting from the hip and then backing up and going, let's try that again. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. The children of Israel were no different. God had already manifested His power to them. God is able to meet our need. And when we were placed on this earth, man had no needs. God had met the needs. Before Adam, God knew exactly what He was going to do, didn't He? And when He put Adam in the garden to dress it and keep it, did God supply everything that Adam needed? Absolutely He did. He'd already planned for Adam to have a wife, didn't He? Yet we run around as young men, I need a wife! God can provide you a wife. Hey, young ladies, God can provide you a husband. Don't panic. God is still in control. God's in control. 
Did God know what Adam was going to do? He did. You know what he did? He prepared the cross before Adam was even on this earth. God knew what he would have to do. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. And God was in control. <laughs> and we think we can change it. I'll just change it because I'm me. And I'm pastor so-and-so and I can do anything. Well, God can change that, can't he? God bring, listen, God can bring these times to our, to our life to show us he's still in charge. Every element essential to life, God provided. Every element essential to eternal life, God provided. Quit living in a panic. <clears throat> Through his death on the cross, everything we need to be saved has been put before us. We just have to repent and trust in that, don't we? And when, we're like, when we are in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you know what's amazing is at that point, God gives me the power now to enter into intercession and prayer to Him. And what He's telling me here is I don't have to panic at the waters of Mara. What they should have done is just sit down, knelt down, start praying to God to deal with this. You know, it would have been a different outcome. But too often, it's the same thing with the children of Israel, same thing with the children of God. That's the last thing they do. When everything else fails, then they go pray to God about it. Instead of praying before it. You know, God is abundant to us. You know, God wanted to show Israel that He had already provided for those needs years before they arrived. He had already dealt with that years before they were in Egypt. He already knew what was going to happen. If we could get that kind of vision, it would change the way we live our lives and think. God knows what's happening this week. I don't know what's happening this week. He does. You ever realize your, your need, as frightening as it may be, is the only evidence of God waiting to supply it? God already knows that He's just waiting to supply it. Every need we have. <clears throat> Here's another thing. There's a lot that you could preach out of this particular verses. But <clears throat> there's another thing that God did at Marah. He revealed himself to Israel as Jehovah Rapha. You know, we, we look at this, they threw the stick in it, made it sweet, but he healed. And when you look at this word God, it's Jehovah Rapha, God the healer. This is the first time they are introduced to God the healer. You know, they, would, they could have missed this lesson if this hadn't taken place. Sometimes there's lessons we miss because we, we won't allow God to put us in that position. We, we kick and we buck. Yeah, I'm in trouble. I'm going to dig myself out while we're digging ourselves back in. We're digging further, right? You know, when you find yourself in a hole, quit shoveling. We're the world's worst about, I'm going to shovel my way out of this thing. Well, <clears throat> as Jehovah Rapha, if Israel <laughs> had never faced this bitter time, they'd never known the aspect about God's character as a healer. The God heals. Listen, these bodies are in dire need of healing, aren't they? They're, they're dying every little bit. Every year we get a little bit older. Just as Job would have never known that God could restore him unless he first lost everything. Listen, as faithful as Job was, as, how many of you have ever lived the way Job lived? You get up and, and, and you sacrifice to God because your kids may have sinned? He was, he was upright before God? He eschewed evil. He was just doing what he's doing. He loved his Lord. He followed God and boom, everything is stripped. 
mean, read the story. I, I, you know, I've read it a lot of times, but here comes one. Oh, they got it. Here comes the other. Oh, now, now the house fell down. Your kids are dead. And he rips everything off. <clears throat> naked came I in. Naked go I out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't panic. He didn't curse God foolishly. And God taught him some lessons through all that, though, didn't he? In the end, he had more than he did in the beginning. And if, if that beginning had never happened, he'd never see the end. He never would have seen how great God was if God had never allowed what happened to begin with. How does that apply to us? Well, I think a lot of us, we get in a little safe bubble. We say, I'm not moving this bubble. I'm not having bitter, and I'm not having trouble, and I'm not having trials. Because I'm going to live right here in this bubble. I don't want to grow. I am fine and dandy right where I'm at. And you know what? Sometimes God says, well, stay in your bubble. You'll stay right there on the shelf for the rest of your life. You've got to grow. And you've got to go through these things to grow. Listen, a bond between a husband and wife doesn't get strong because they have it easy. <laughs> it gets strong because they've had it tough. Listen, my wife and I got in this together. Our kids came later. Our kids aren't going to bust our marriage up. Our grandkids came after them, and they're not going to bust our marriage up. There's some things that we've gone through in our life that have made our marriage stronger and stronger and stronger, and they've been bitter, bitter, bitter. But you know what? We just keep trusting the Lord and facing the Lord. And, with the, and listen, your, your Christian walk is the same way. You can't let outside things take you away from God. God is going to bring you tomorrow sometimes. And what He wants you to do is understand who's in control and how to learn the lesson. Don't start the screaming and hollering and pitiful me. Just trust God. Submit to God. Listen, more than ever, we need to be a people submitted to God. The nation of Israel, on and on and on, they just would not submit, would they? <clears throat> just as Lazarus, he'd never known what it was like to come back to life if he'd never died. How would you like to trust God for that? <laughs> Jesus shows up, right? Shows up today and says, hey, uh, bro hey brother, so and so, come on up here. We're going we're to use you for an illustration. Boom, you're dead. <laughs> there he is. Shove him under the pew. Here in a few days, we'll get back to him. Because the commentary was, he stinketh. Wasn't that the commentary? Lazarus, well, Lord, by now, he stinketh. Well, what do you think that means? He's dead. He's rotting. He stinketh. He had to get to that point before God could use him as the illustration he did. Lazarus, come, come forth. Get out of there. And here he come. Can somebody get the wraps off, please? Can you imagine coming back from the dead like that? I can't. But listen, some of those things had to be done before God could use him for something greater. Do you suppose after that, Lazarus' attitude was different? Do you suppose it was? I would imagine it would be, don't you? Now, you know, we don't have a lot of after. We don't have Lazarus the uh, evangelist. We don't have that book of Lazarus. But I would imagine Lazarus was a guy that didn't shut his mouth much after that. How would you be if you came back from that? But at the time, it was a bitter event, wasn't it? And they were weeping, and Jesus wept. Why? Because of their lack of faith that He could raise Him from the dead. It's that bitterness again. These bitter waters here that they faced. Well, God reveals Himself here at the bitter waters, and He goes, look how easy it is for me. Moses, throw a stick in there. Now they're sweet. And the people are like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. All this for nothing. 
How many times did we get all frothed up for nothing? Well, they did. And when we stand at the bitter waters of our maras, and we will, God help us to know that He's on the throne, and no matter what, God is going to make it sweet no matter what. God knows what's best no matter what. It doesn't matter. Some people, I'm going to share this because I just have to. This, This is free stuff. Because you just can't, you, you know how you think, well, how can it get any worse? You ever ask that? Man, how can it get any worse? I've learned to never ask. Man, can it get any worse? Don't ever. Jim called me because Josh called me. And I said, what is going on? Well, Ruby, you know, he, he, so last August, Jim's appendix exploded. And they did something where they pumped some stuff in him and it dried his appendix up. And he didn't have to have it surgically removed, which is what they usually do. Your appendix blows up, they're going to take it out. So you fast forward to last month, Ruby's dying of cancer at home, and he has this pain. He goes, oh, man, that's that appendix stuff. He didn't mess around. He went straight to the hospital. And he got in, and he said, man, Jim, that dead appendix wrapped around your colon, and now it's growing around the colon. It's squeezing it off. You're going to have to have part of your colon removed, too, while his wife's dying. Well, if he has the surgery, she's going to die while he's in the hospital. He'll never see her again. He's like, do whatever you got to do. I got to go and take care of my wife. Well, while he was in the hospital, her sister came from California. She's a nurse at the University of Southern California, and she wasn't feeling good, went to the ER, and they're like, well, let's see what's going on, you know. Well, you got stage four cancer. You better get things in order. It's bad. And so <clears throat> the day after she found out she had stage four cancer, they called her from, from Southern California and said, hey, your house burned around. And she's like, What? And she's like, yeah, your husband just barely got out alive. Your house burnt to the ground. Everything, it's all gone. And then she died two weeks later. Jim got out of the hospital. Ruby died two weeks later. Now Jim's having surgery on the 16th. And he's going to bury his wife on the 27th. Now does that sound like a tough time to you? It sounds like a tough time to me. But you know what? God knows all about it. And if you dwell on all the you'll you'll drive yourself mad you'll you'll you know but you just got to trust that god is still in control and god knows and i've talked with jim time and time again and you know he's a big guy he's a retired state trooper ex-military airborne tough guy just you know he's just a puddle right now he doesn't understand but you know sometimes god brings us to those places and we look at them and say well they don't have the faith we do well we stand up and we come to those bitter waters. How will it be for us? Well, we, you know, Brother Demlo's grandma passed away yesterday, and I'm sorry about that too, but you know, she's Lord. What, what a comfort to know that she's with the Lord today, right? But we have so many people around us that don't know the Lord. They're dying, and they're going to hell. You know, help us to take advantage of what God's given us. We're supposed to be God's people. We should do things God's way. We should follow after God in everything we do. When he brings us to that point, help us make the right decisions, which is reach out to God. God, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to show me here at the bitter waters? Even Moses cried out. But in the end, when the whole thing was over, he said, come sit by the palm trees and the 12 walls. All right, all right, you've been under enough stress. God always brings us out of these things stronger, doesn't he? What is it that you're going through or you've gone through and you're still a little bitter about? 
Is there something there that, that there's a bitterness left in you? You haven't seen what God was trying to do in your life? You know, try to learn these things. That's how we grow. You know, our church, this church has been through a lot of growing pains over the years. Some of you weren't here to enjoy those. Some of us were. And in the middle, it seemed like the world was crashing down around us, didn't it? It did. I mean, weeping and tears and weeping, and we just kept trusting God. That, and you know what? We've come out strong in the end. A lot of things have changed, and here we are, reaching people all the way down in ADAC, calling out, saying, hey, come and help me. Because this church has learned some lessons that through bitterness that they'll never forget. And that's what God's going to do in our life is teach us some things. And sometimes they're hard things, but get them. Cling to them and praise God for those times that he has shown you his power and his will in your life. Don't pass those times up. Don't miss that in your life because you'll, you'll just stunt your growth and you'll stay right where you are and you'll never move forward. Look at all the, we don't have time for all that, but you look at all the things God did for Israel you know, the ups and downs and ups and downs, but they kept, you know, they stayed in there and God taught them some things and God made a great nation of Israel. God expects to make, do great things with us, but we just got to roll with these punches, don't we? Praise God in the good, praise God in the bad, but God wants to grow us. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you once again for your word and your faithfulness to us. And I know, Lord, that these uh, messages aren't, salvation messages necessarily or messages that are just uh, <clears throat> always wonderful to teach but they're they're the truth that sometimes we come off these great victories with you and then we we forget who brought us through that great victory when another trial comes before us or tribulation and and lord we know that <clears throat> if we don't exercise our muscles we'll be weak Lord, it, it, it takes these things to build us up and make us strong in the Lord. And, and Father, we know that nobody asks for these things. I've never gotten before you and said, just bring me a misery and trial and tribulation to help strengthen me. Maybe I should, I, but I never have because I know, Lord, that it's coming. Lord, that's part of our lives, part of the Christian walk is to grow in your grace and mercy and trust you and understand that you're in charge and you're in control and Lord, as we preach this morning, that you're faithful. And we know, Lord, that, that whether we, we starve to death or are at the well of Mara or we, we, we don't, that's up to you. But we should give you the praise and the glory in all that happens in our lives. And, Lord, we just pray you'd let us learn that truth that we need to turn our lives over to you and trust you that you're still on the throne and you know everything that's going to happen in every step of all the way to the end of our lives, Lord. And we know, Father, we'll be better for it. I pray once again for the lost here today. They've never been saved. Today would be the day the Spirit of God got a hold of them. They'd see the need to repent and trust in what you've done through Jesus Christ. Father, just help us to be better witnesses for you as the, as the week uh, starts here. And we go out in the, the public and workplace and just help us to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. We love you, Father. We praise you and thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen.